Welcome. You are listening to the Audio Information Network of Colorado. This recording is intended to be used solely by individuals with barriers to print. Thank you for joining us for the December edition of the Crestone Eagle. My name is Paula Vaughn. We have a front page article from the December edition that I've not yet read. Taking steps to meet growing calls for search and rescue in San Luis Valley. This is written by Haley Strom from Colorado College. The Sangre de Cristo Mountains attract hikers, climbers, and mountaineers from all over the world. Crestone Peak, the Crestone Needle, Kit Carson Peak, and Mount Blanca in particular attract some of the boldest adventurers. As more people venture into the backcountry, search and rescue, SAR, teams supporting climbers essential to mitigating risk and saving lives. Colorado Search and Rescue Association, CSAR, includes 50 volunteer SAR teams around the state. Some teams partner with helicopter agencies and medical assistance programs. Alamosa Volunteer Search and Rescue, Custer County SAR, and Sawatch SAR most frequently respond to missions in the Sangre de Cristo Mountains. AVSAR and Custer County SAR partner with Canyon Helitac for rescues involving helicopter insertions, where SAR volunteers are inserted by helicopter at a site which could not be reached as safely or as quickly by ground crews. In a November training session two hours north of Crestone, Alamosa SAR volunteers met to train with Canyon Helitac, an affiliate of the Department of Fire Protection and Control. Dressed in flight suits and loaded into a group's helicopter, a civilian derivative of the UH-1 Iroquois, or Huey, the Bell helicopter is often used for aerial firefighting, the rescue group's primary mission. Canyon Helitac is a crew of firefighters transported by helicopter to help stop the spread of wildfires that otherwise could not be reached by ground crews. After clearing a fire, they generally trek over difficult terrain, carrying up to 120 pounds of equipment to pick up points where they clear the ground for a helispot or helicopter landing zone. There are two Helitac crews run by the state of Colorado, both operated through the Fire Protection and Control. Canyon City is home to Canyon Helitac, a team of 12 that oversees the front range. In Montrose, a team of 10 crew members oversee the western slope. Canyon Helitac is the only team in the state that performs STEP, hoist and uses night vision. STEP, which stands for Single Skid Toe-In Hover Entry Exit, is a method of exiting and entering a helicopter that cannot land because of difficult terrain. Hoist is a rescue tool used to lift and lower rescuers at a mission site. Helitac's primary function is fire response, but about four years ago it became available for search and rescue on an as-needed basis. In spring of 2022, the state saw a need for more consistent availability from Helitac for search and rescues, so it started training directly with two teams in the region, Alamosa Volunteer Search and Rescue and Custer County Search and Rescue. Rescue teams in Sangre de Cristo Mountains previously only partnered with air medical transport agencies like Flight for Life, REACH, and Guardian Flight, an air medical transport base in Alamosa. Medical helicopters sometimes transport SAR volunteers, 
but can only insert rescuers when the helicopter can land on both skids. Only Helitac has step capabilities to insert rescuers closer to rescue sites on technical terrain, reducing the time between when SAR is called and when they reach the rescue subject. The group also helps rescue missions by flying volunteers out after an event, which medical helicopters rarely are able to do. This past May, Canyon Helitac partnered with Alamosa and Custer County teams to become more involved in search and rescue across the Front Range, the mountains east of the Continental Divide. Stephen Klein, Alamosa member, and Cameron Megink, assistant captain of Canyon Helitac, spearheaded the partnership. For us to have this ability to be more of a Swiss Army tool for the state of Colorado, doing fire, search and rescue, parks and wildlife missions, and avalanche work is one of the best gifts we have, is to be first responders, said Meg Inc. The group has responded to every search and mission AVSAR has been called to since partnering in May. The 13 volunteers between AVSAR and Custer County SAR received their first classroom training with Helitac last May. Now, each team is trained separately once a month. On November 10th, AVSAR met Canyon Helitac at the Fremont County Airport for their monthly step training. Custer County SAR would meet the following day. They flew 15 minutes to the southeast corner of the Pueblo Reservoir, the Canyon Helitac Cruise training site, to practice step. Chance Froby, who joined Canyon Helitac in August of 2022, and Crystal Wilson, AVSAR captain, were unloaded onto a ridge overlooking the reservoir to watch the training. Ideally, when a pilot flies into a rescue site, there is enough room to land both skids onto a flat, grassy plot of land of at least 100 by 100 feet. Search and rescue missions are often on difficult terrain where fully landing is not possible. Because of this, rescuers inserted by helicopter need to learn how to exit and enter the helicopter through step techniques while it is hovering or partially landed. There are three forms of step. A hover step occurs when the helicopter hovers a few feet above the ground. A toe-in insertion is where the front of both skids touch a ridge. A single skid landing is where only one skid lands on the side of a ridge. During each step extraction, SAR members exit the plane in groups of three as if they were exiting onto a real mission site. There's been several occasions this year where we've had to use it where we would have had to hike in because any kind of helispot was too far away, Froby said. In those several instances, we were able to insert rescuers like this and rescue people. Six elite members of AVSAR are on the STEP team. These members were selected by Wilson for displaying talent and commitment to the team. The members from AVSAR are Jeff Tokar, Stephen Klein, Madeline Alborn, Zach Cohen, Tyler Lowen, and Kurt Howell. Although Wilson sometimes responds to rescues in the field, she usually works incident command behind the scenes. It is awesome to get out here and see this happen because I never get to. I am crazy proud of this team, Wilson said. We handpicked the most prepared team members for sure. Allborn was selected to join STEP after completing a successful mission using long lines with Helitac before AVSAR was trained in STEP. Nicknamed Lady, 
as the only female SAR STEP member, Alborn completed several successful STEP exits and entries during the training. When I'm in it, it just seems very fluid. I'm not thinking about things that could go wrong. I'm just very focused and aware of where I should be looking, who I should be looking at, and at what times, Alborn said. Then, if something does go wrong, it's just reactionary. From the ground, Froby explained the risk of working in helicopters from high-density altitude to steep terrain. Froby has lots of experience with helicopters. As a Marine Corps helicopter mechanic and air crewman veteran, he is always looking out for the safety of his crew, especially considering the precariousness of rescue sites. Many rescues are from steep shelves at high altitudes, such as the Crestone Needle Traverse, a narrow trail with a 2,000-foot drop on either side. The Blanca Massive is another popular rescue spot in the valley. To mitigate risk at this site, Alamosa Rescue is getting a permanent landing zone in 2023. The landing zone will be at the base of Mount Blanca in Alamosa County. Wilson is pushing for a 300 by 300 feet landing, big enough for two helicopters to land nose to nose. All they need is a final approval by the Forest Service and the Bureau of Land Management, and the project can begin spring 2023. To have a real landing zone and not something we have to make up every time is a game changer as far as helicopter assets go, said Alborn. And the pilots that come and use this landing zone, they'll be able to save the coordinates so that every time we have a mission call, we won't have to resend an updated landing zone location. Having a permanent place to land also means that the pilot does not have to worry as much about a brownout or a whiteout while landing the helicopter. When a helicopter lands on loose ground, the pilot performs two passes over before landing to blow away dirt, debris, or snow that might obstruct the view while landing. These passes are called high-low recon. Although the pilot still performs high-low recon over a paved LZ, sight obstructions are less of a concern on a paved helipad. Hovering over steep ridges where the rotors are within 5 feet from rocks, pilot Greg Kellogg relies on Megging to paint a picture of the makeshift landing pad. Through their radio system, Magink would say, you're three feet off the ground, or you're drifting forward, to ensure a safe placement of the helicopter. Canyon Helitac now responds to more search and rescue missions than fires, so Kellogg is accustomed to working with SAR volunteers. At the beginning, we helped the search and rescue teams every once in a while. Now, we are almost a search and rescue operation that does fire, Kellogg said. This past season was the first of three that Kellogg brought back someone alive. Wilson says facing death is part of search and rescue and volunteers have to accept this reality. I think one of the hardest things for team members when they join is to understand that we do a lot more body recoveries than rescue missions, Wilson said. A lot of people are not capable of doing that. There are things that you will never unsee, you will never unsmell, and never unfeel, Wilson said. If you are not prepared to deal with that, this isn't the place for you. Beyond the physical and emotional strain of SAR, volunteers also have to be prepared to buy their own gear. Wilson shared that a single AVSAR volunteer spends an average of $10,000 on equipment during their time at SAR. Their team vehicle fuel and insurance is covered by the Sheriff's Office, but all personal equipment is out of pocket. 
While volunteers must pay for their own gear, there are no other requirements for volunteers to join. All rescue skills can be taught. Gage Rothrock, Custer County SAR co-captain, explained that while many volunteers come from a background in mountaineering, rescue missions requires separate skill sets. Even people that come in as experienced climbers with extensive knowledge with ropes, rigging systems are completely different, and rescue systems are completely different. It all takes a lot of time to learn, Rothrock said. Rothrock has been on Custer County SAR for four years. He is part of their technical rope rescue team, medical team, and is the co-captain and training officer. The rope team is responsible for rigging rope rescue systems and is often responsible for more technical terrain rescues. Some rope volunteers, including Rothrock, specialize in step training with Canyon Helitac. Next year, Helitac might offer hoist training to SAR teams. The National Guard also has hoist capabilities, but they are up in Buckley and can take six hours from request to arrive at a rescue site in the Sangres. Helitac had a week of training with the National Guard earlier this year to learn hoist rescue techniques. Teaching SAR members hoist techniques in the future might help teams arrive to rescue subjects more quickly. If we request a Helitac, I am on the phone with Cam Magink immediately and they can be there within an hour and a half, Wilson said. AVSAR also works with Sawatch SAR, a smaller team made up mostly of firefighters and emergency medical service responders. Swatch is one of the largest counties in the state with lots of ground to cover. Partnering with Alamosa Volunteer Search and Rescue, AVSAR, Custer County SAR, and Canyon Helitac is imperative to meeting rescue demands of Swatch County. William Klossmeyer, an emergency medical responder and firefighter, joined Swatch SAR in February of 2022. He speaks for his crew when he expresses appreciation for mutual aid. Alamosa in particular, I've gone on several missions with them and they've invited us to several of their training sessions so we can work together better in the field, Klossmeyer said. They were all really professional and talented people. I love going on missions with them because I always end up learning a lot that I can then pass on to other team members here. David Fries, Swatch SAR team member, team leader explained that mutual aid is essential to meet the demand of the growing number of rescue calls. In 2018, when Freeze joined, they averaged 26 calls a year. Last year, they saw 59 calls, and most of those were for visitors to the San Luis Valley. A third of those calls were on trails in Crestone, and the other two-thirds were on the western side of the county. If there's a broad statement, I'd recommend for anybody going into the backcountry, it is just please do their homework, Rothrock said. Read about their object objective. Read about how to be safe in the backcountry. Talk to people who have been successful. Talk to people who have failed. Walk away with those lessons. Keeping yourself safe in the backcountry does not only help yourself, but also, also rescue volunteers. This season, the best way to thank your search and rescue volunteers is by doing your homework before hitting the backcountry. And now turning to skiing, long runs, no lines, fresh powder. What's not to like about Wolf Creek? This is written by Katherine Beard and Matthew Silverman from Colorado College.
Just a one and a half hour drive from Crestone, Wolf Creek Ski Resort is the perfect day trip for some fun in the snow. You won't find the locally owned area on any of the so-called super passes and therein lies the charm. It's not hard to see why the downhill area boasts that it has the most snow in Colorado. Even this early in the season, when snow coverage is thin in many places, there are pockets of champagne powder hiding in the trees and over 90% of their terrain is already open. Lift tickets will cost you a fraction of what they would elsewhere in Colorado with a regular season day pass coming in at $85 for an adult. The remote location and lack of access to other resources has kept the resort from becoming a destination. The closest lodging is nearly 20 miles away in either direction and a multi-day trip would require climbing the pass each morning and evening, something that can prove difficult in winter. Being situated at Wolf Creek Pass, the resort offers unparalleled panoramic views of the San Juan, Sangre de Cristo, and Swatch Mountains, as well as some of the mountains in northern New Mexico. The best views of the surrounding peaks are found at the top of the Alberta Lift, for those daring enough, the hikeable terrain just above it. There are something for everyone at Wolf Creek, with runs which range from long-groomed green, easier, routes which flow through the trees to the hikeable steep double black diamond cliffs and everything in between. For skiers and boarders used to the hustle and bustle of French range skiing, the remote and calm of nature of Wolf Creek will be a welcome change of pace. On this particular early season Sunday when we visited, there was not a lift line requiring a wait. Between the two of us, we have been to over 20 ski areas across the country and have never found lift lines so short and terrain so amazing. There is even a spot for caffeine lovers at the top of Treasure Lift, the Continental Espresso Bar. The cozy atmosphere of the coffee bar is a perfect break from the bitter winds and harsh temperatures that blow across the peaks of the resort. All around the resort, there are signs regarding the resort's different sustainable practices, such as a wind-powered chairlift and water-free restrooms. Since 2017, Wolf Creek Resort has purchased about 1,000 kilowatts per year of solar power from the Penitent Solar Project. The EPA has recognized several years during which the ski area has been surpassing 100% on green power. If you are into outdoor winter adventures, Wolf Creek Ski Area is definitely worth visiting from the nearby San Luis Valley. Catherine Beard and Matthew Silverman, the authors of this article, are students at Colorado College and were interns at the Crestone Eagle in October and November. And we have this article, also written by a Colorado College intern at the Crestone Eagle, Haley Strom. Bringing Light to Death, the Crestone End of Life Project is the only organization in the country to offer community residents non-denominational open-air cremations. Around the United States, cremation has seen a rise in popularity over traditional burials. Today, over half of Americans choose cremation as their end-of-life option. The two traditional forms of cremation are direct cremation, which uses 15,000 degree fire to decompose a body, and water cremation, where the body is dissolved into an alkaline solution which mimics the natural decomposition process. While water cremation is not yet legal in many states, Colorado legalized the process in 2011. Water cremation is not the only way Colorado legislation has allowed for more progressive end-of-life decisions. In 2006, Crestone became home to the only non-denominational open-air cremation pyre in the United States. There is also an open-air cremation service 
for me members of a Buddhist community based in Boulder. In open-air cremation, instead of using an industrial furnace, the body is burned outdoors on a pyre. With the Crestone End of Life Project, CEOLP, this takes place before a backdrop of Sangre de Cristo Mountains within a permanent pyre site just west of town. Families and friends gather to watch the cremation, which is facilitated by CEOLP volunteers with assistance by loved ones of the deceased. Beginning in the 1990s, a group of local volunteers facilitated a few open-air cremations on private land in the Crestone Baca area, mainly for fellow Buddhists. Paul Kloppenberg, a current CEOLP volunteer and Tibetan Buddhist practitioner, brought the necessary tools for the portapire, including cinder blocks and firewood. What is a portapire? A different phrase here might be portable pyre. Portapire sounds too much like porta potty. Before long, it became clear that efforts needed to be made to develop protocols, create a well-organized group of volunteers, and gain legal standing for open-air cremations. In addition, establishing a permanent pyre site would mitigate fire concerns, environmental issues, and neighborhood complaints. For four years, Stephanie Gaines worked with the Colorado Department of Health and Environment, the local fire department, and the Swatch County Commissioners to establish guidelines, meet regulatory requirements, and choose the best location for the pyre. The permanent site is on a plot of land donated by Dragon Mountain Zen Center about a half mile off County Road T that leads to the heart of downtown Crestone. Since its creation, CEOLP has facilitated more than 70 cremations. The group currently has 52 active volunteers. CEOLP can only serve those who are registered with CEOLP at the time of death. Among the registration requirements is residency in Swatch County for at least three months prior to the registration. With the influx of new residents in the Crestone area and a limited number of volunteers, Gaines said they must adhere strictly to this guideline. People just arrive and think they can have a cremation, and we are a relatively small nonprofit group, so we cannot really serve people that way, Gaines said. While CEOLP is exclusive to Swatch County residents, it serves people of all religious faiths, or none. Cremation ceremonies are chosen and led by the deceased family's love and loved ones and can integrate any form of ceremony, music, prayer, or celebration. On Saturday, November 12th, new and returning volunteers met to prepare the cremation site for winter. Some painted benches, others raked the weeds from the sand that can encompass the fenced-in circle around the pyre. Some volunteers discussed personal end-of-life decision-making journeys while on the site doing upkeep. Before cremation with CEOLP, the family of the deceased often keeps the body at home, kept cool with ice packs for up to three days. CEOLP volunteers guide the family in care of the body and in creating a peaceful, sacred space for this. Very early on the morning of a cremation, the family transports the body to the pyre where another crew of volunteers has prepared the pyre. The body is placed onto a wooden stretcher made by local carpenters and loved ones offer their final goodbyes. Before a cremation, volunteers and loved ones of the deceased line a procession path that spirals around the site's tall bamboo fence and enters the pyre circle. Everyone is given a sprig of juniper, which is ultimately placed upon the body before the fire is ignited. Loved ones carry the body through the procession and place it on the pyre's steel grate. The juniper sprigs, and sometimes flowers and other items precious to the deceased, are then placed across the body, which the fire team covers with more wood, before the family lights the fire. Then everyone's silent, Gaines said. 
All you hear is the fire starting. You see the plumes float up, the smoke comes up. That goes on for about 15 minutes. You can imagine that in witnessing this cremation, they are also reflecting on their own mortality. As the body cremates, attendees share anecdotes about their loved one's life. It takes about two hours for the body to be largely consumed by flames, with some fire team members remaining on site until it is completely consumed. Thirty-six hours later, the family returns to receive the remains, which have been gathered by another trained volunteer. Volunteers recognize that an open-air cremation is not for everyone, even some of the volunteers. CEOLP serves as a model for future open-air cremation sites in other parts of the United States where residents share an interest in alternative end-of-life decisions. Groups in Minnesota, New Jersey, and Vermont are seeking to create sites for their own communities. For more information to make a donation to CEOLP or to register, go to informedfinalchoices.org. And that's all we have time for today. Thank you for joining us. For the Crestone Eagle, my name is Paula Vaughn. If you enjoyed this program, please register for our free services at www.aincolorado.org or by calling 303-786-7777.